Greetings sometime in the future. I say sometime in the future because I am going to enjoy these readings sometime in the future. So I'm actually reading my own library of the things I like to listen to while I'm traveling on the road. For instance, I'm in Sacramento and I have a lot of driving uh, when I get back home. At least six, seven, eight hours of uh, in the car. So I call it my wheels of university, wheels of learning. And I like to review books. And this book I'm reading right now is I have part of it or most of it already in this podcast somewhere. And we have over a thousand segments, episodes. So it would be too bad we don't have a search engine in Anchor yet. But there will be one in the future. But Karen Kingston, author of Creating Sacred Space with Feng Chui. Clear your clutter with Feng Chui. And I don't remember if Feng Chui is a, is a person or adjective. <laughs> An idea. Sounds like a person. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. We're going to be reading from page or chapter 16, right down to the nitty gritty to what's valuable in this book. <clears throat> the, it's called chapter 16, How to Clear Your Clutter. Here are three tried and tested ways to deal with your clutter. Number one, the let nature take its course method, also known as the Advocating decision-making technique. Advocating decision-making technique. Put it in a place where it will disintegrate to such a point that you no longer want to keep it. <clears throat> One man I met who was on vacation on Bali confide, I clear out a lot of clutter and put the rest in an outdoor shed. I'm hoping that by the time I get back, it will be so mildewed I will have to chuck it out. Number two, they'll wait until you die and let your relatives sort it out method. This has been a great favorite throughout the centuries. You can even draw up a will telling people exactly what to do with it all. <laughs> Number three, the take responsibility for the stuff and clear it yourself method. This is the method I recommend. It is far more empowering, has much better karma, and allows you to get on with your life immediately instead of waiting for you or your clutter to expire. Getting started. Without a doubt, the hardest part is actually overcoming your inertia enough to get started. Once you've begun, the process itself releases more energy to enable you to continue. All the stagnant energy that is locked up in the clutter gets released for you to use in more positive ways. And the more you clear clutter, the easier it becomes because you know how good it feels after you have done it and you know the positive benefits that follow. My general rule of thumb is to say that if I were moving house tomorrow, and I would end up with more than one or two rubbish bags full of stuff to throw away, then I got some sorting to do right now. I like 
I live like this because my life works so much better. It is not a discipline I have to practice. It just makes so much sense to me that I wouldn't want to live any other way. And it isn't something I am fanatical about. I just put a bit of time into it on a regular basis so that everything stays manageable. So here are some pointers to get you started on the great clutter clear out. Do it fast or slow. People have different amounts of types of clutter, not to mention different levels of willingness to let it go. I find that everyone approaches clutter clearing in one or two ways. One type of person will read this book, cancel all appointments, and ninja through his or her home like a white tornado, decluttering it with glee. The other type does it in stages. If you need more time, just accept that you do. It may be that you are too busy, too stressed, or just too overwhelmed by the sheer amount of your clutter. Just progress at your own speed, whatever that may be, and do it a bit at a time as you feel able. However, bear in mind the following. If you are busy, remember you do somehow find the time to acquire the clutter so you can make time to get rid of it. If you are busy, remember you do somehow find the time to acquire the clutter. You think it's a spiritual movement. So you, so you can make time to get rid of it. If you are stressed, know that clutter clearing is one of the best therapies there is for worry, stress, and anxiety. If you feel overwhelmed, you won't be if you follow these easy pointers, which have already helped thousands of people lighten their load, including many who are far more entrenched clutter alcoholics than you. Clutterholics. The best time to clear clutter. Any time is a good time. Since most clutter clearing is done indoors, you can do it day or night. Any time of the year, come rain or come shine. However, if you happen to be reading this book in spring, this will get you off to a good start. There is a natural instinct to have a good clear out at this time of the year when there is new growth and emergence in nature. If you live in a part of the world where there are only two seasons, wet and dry, rather than four, you will find it easier to have a clear out at the beginning of either of these periods. Another good time is just after you get back from a vacation. You have a different perspective of these things and it becomes easier to make decisions about what you realistically need to keep. The same is true when you move, recover from an illness, start a new job, a new relationship, or a new era of your life in some other way. But don't make waiting for one of the, the above to happen an excuse for not beginning. I repeat, any time is a good time. Most people find they have favorite times of day for clutter clearing. Mine is first thing in the morning. Discover when you... Space clearing to help clutter clearing. It is intended that the information on this book will so motivate you to clear your clutter that it will be all you need. However, if you have read my first book or would like to go deeper into Feng Chui, it may be useful for you to know that doing a full space clearing ceremony will help you enormously to get started 
on clearing your clutter. See the 21-step basic space clearing uh, procedures from her first book. Okay. It is ideal if you can do the clutter clearing first, but if you have serious amounts of works to do in this department, uh, just skip part of the step six of the space clearing preparation and do the rest of the ceremony straight away just to get the energy in the space moving. Later, after you have cleared the clutter, you can do a space clearing ceremony again to reconstrate, reconsecrate the space. It's kind of like, uh, like a spiritual uh, cleansing, blessing it with holy water. It goes deep into clearing uh, uh, stubborn spirits that are stuck in your house. She, she goes over that on the 21 list of space clearance. So we'll talk about that when we run to those chapters. Right now, this book is not telling you that you should do this or should do that, but it explains how keeping clutter can affect you so that you can make your own informed choices about it from here on in. Should is one of the most disempowering words there is. When you use it, you feel guilty and obligated. My advice is to dump the word from your vocabulary forever and use the word could instead. Feel the difference. I should start cleaning my clutter today. Or I could start my cleaning my clutter today. Could empowers you, gives you choice, and later allows you to take the credit for a job well done. Should depresses you, makes you feel at fault, and brings you little joy and completion of the task. I suggest you also dump can't and substitute won't. Then you really make some progress. Again, feel the difference. I can't decide whether to keep this or let it go. Or I won't decide whether to keep this or let it go. In the can't example, you are helpless and hopeless. In the won't example, you are expressing your decision as a being of free choice. And if you then ask yourself why you won't let it go, you will discover it comes down to some subconscious block you never realized you had. I won't decide whether to keep this or let it go because it brings up all the feelings to do with my mother, father, spouse, and so on. Well, there's still work for you to do, but at least you are being honest now. Make a list. First, take a tour of your home with notepad and pen in hand, noting down the clutter zones in each room. If you are not at home or are lazy... Just close your eyes and visualize yourself walking from room to room. You will find you know exactly where your clutter is. Then take another piece of paper and rewrite the list. Begin with smaller clutter zones at the top and work your way down to monster mounds. Example of smaller zones are behind doors, individual drawers, the bathroom cabinets, small cupboards, handbags, Briefcases, toolboxes, middle-sized zones are wardrobes, kitchen cupboards, linen cupboards, desks, filing cabinets, and so on. Large zones are junk rooms, cellar, attics, garden sheds, garages, and any clutter-filled space that are clearly going to take a while to conquer. And I put an asterisk beside the zones that irritate you the most. 
These are the ones to begin with. Starting from small to large, get some small successes under your belt first, and then you will inspire and encourage to tackle the bigger areas later. And when you see how good it feels to tackle the cluttered zones that really bug you, you'll be more motivated to wade into those bastions where you wish the clutter would just melt away of its own accord. Motivating yourself. Another strong motivator is to use the Feng Che Bao Gua, see chapter 8, to check which area of your life you have been sabotaging by piling junk in that area of your home. Most people are amazed to discover how accurate this system is. Then give some thought to how you would like these aspects of your life to be in the future. Bearing this in mind really helps to get you started and help at it until the job is done. More to come on chapter 8. Final preparation. Now, by now, you will have some idea how much clutter you are intending to clear. So you must create some means of getting it off your premises. Unless you have already decided to order a dumpster and go for it big time, then simply get some cardboard boxes and or trash bags ready these will be your little army of helpers. If you decide to use boxes, the basic four you will need are as follows. A trash box for out-and-out out junk destined for the trash bin. A repair box for items that need repairing, altering, renovating. Only put things in here that you are sure you want and need and set yourself a time limit for getting them repaired a recycling box for things to be recycled sold exchanged given to someone else etc release them back into the world so that someone else can use them a transit box for things that are on their way to somewhere else in your home to another room or to space that hasn't yet been created for them because you need to clear the clutter there first until you gain experience at this, you will probably also need a fifth box. A dilemma box. For things you are still in a bit of diter. And things that you're stuck with, whether to keep or let go. Another good portion I like is saying, how, why, why should I, why do I need it? Why do I think do I need this? I need to move on. My parents experienced this. They had a lot of fun and joy. Now I need to give it away, sell it, or get rid of it, throw it away, for it's, the goodness has been used of it. I need to find my own goodness, my new meals and experiences in this world. I need to move on with freedom. As the job progresses, you may also feel the need to create subdivisions of the recycling box, such as a gift box for things you have decided to give friends or relatives. A charity box for things to be donated to charities, libraries, schools, hospitals. A re return box for things to be given back to the people they belong to. <laughs> a selling box for things you can sell in exchange for something you want. And finally, you need boxes for each type of thing to be recycled. Paper, bottles, etc. The great clutter clear begins. Begin small. Choose one small area to clear first. A drawer or a small cupboard is ideal. 
Give yourself the satisfaction of crossing it off your list when you have done it. Most people find they feel pretty good after doing one area, so they decide to do another, and maybe another. Each small area you clear releases energy for you to do more. Take it at your own pace, doing as much as you feel inspired to do at any one time. This may take a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, or a few months, depending on how much you have to clear and how much gung-ho you are to clear it. How gung-ho. Remember, the speed at which the positive changes will appear in your life is relative to the gusto and decisiveness which you, which your clutter is cleared. Larger areas. When you have tackled some of the smaller areas, start on the middle-sized ones and finally the largest ones, but still break each area down into a bite-sized, manageable chunk. Divide cupboards into separate sections and rooms into separate areas. You can work through your entire home in this way and gain confidence as you go. Sorting through your stuff. When you're sorting through things, do not create a pile of objects with the intention of deciding later where they will go. Pick up each object in turn and make a decision about it then and there. Does it stay or does it go? If it goes, put it in the trash box or the relative recycling box. If it stays, put it in need of attention. Put it on the repair box. For all the remaining items, decide where they are going to live and go and put them straight away or put them in the transit box. Using the transit box is usually a safer option because there is less risk of you getting sidetracked on your travels. Toward the end of each clutter clearing session, you do take your transit box on a walk around your home and relocate its contents in the places you have decided each item will live. If any of these places are already full because you haven't cluttered clear them yet, the items will need to stay in the transit box for a while, which is not ideal, but may be the best you can do. Make this whole process fun for yourself. Decide now that everything that takes up space in your home has to have a valid purpose for being there. Ask yourself, does it pass the clutter test? The clutter test. Does it lift my energy when I think about it or look at it? Do I absolutely love it? Is it genuinely useful? Again, the clutter test. Ask yourself, is this item genuinely useful? It helps if you say it out loud. Do I absolutely love this? And does it lift my energy when I think about it or look at it? Does it withdraw energy or put energy in me? Does it inspire me or take inspiration out? If the answer is not a resounding yes to question one and an equally resounding yes to either question two or three, then what is it doing in your life? One, does it lift my energy when I think about it or look at it? Recognizing whether you feel energized or not is the most reliable part of the clutter test. Your mind can fool around with you and invent all kinds of excuses so that you can get to hang on to stuff. But your body knows the truth and never lies. Trust the feelings of your body. Two, do I absolutely love it? If so, does it really inspire me or is it just nice? 
Do I already have enough of this type of items for my needs? In spite of how much I love it, does it also have sad associations in my life? Three, is it genuinely useful? If so, when did I actually last use it? When, realistically, am I likely to use it again? It's safe to let go. Affirm to yourself as you sort through your things, it's safe to let go. It's safe to let go. Again, keep saying, it's safe to let go. Clear and clear is about letting go and trusting the process of life to bring you what you need when you need it. Anything you are keeping just in case you are keeping through fear. If you have a lot of cluster, you may need to go through it several times before you feel ready to let go of some things. In some cases, it may take a whole year or more before you finally admit to yourself that a specific object still hasn't come in useful for anything. There are no wrong choices. Any Like any other skill in the world, clutter clearing is one of you can develop. You can think of yourself as needing to build your clutter clearing muscle. The more of it you do, the more proficient you become and the easier it gets. But when you first begin, you can feel like a clutter clearing weakling. Many people put off having a clear clear out because they worry so much that they will get rid of something and really regret it later. After you've been doing it for a while, you will come to realize that there are no wrong choices ever. Even if you regret throwing something away, you can trust that for some reason your higher self led you to make that decision. And in time, you can come to know why it was best for it to happen. Actually, believe this applies not just to clutter, but to everything in life. Every choice you make is a right choice. What is really important is not the choice, but the reason why you make it. Any choice made from fear is a disempowering choice. The Dilemma Box. While you are learning the knack of making more empowering choices, you may need to use the Dilemma Box. When you come across things that you know really do constitute clutter, but in your heart you do not feel ready to part with them yet, put them in the dilemma box and then stash the box away in the deepest, darkest recess of your cupboard. Make a note in your calendar to check on the box at a future time in one month, six months, or whatever feels appropriate to you. Then, before you open it, try to remember what's in it. The chances are you will have forgotten, in which case it rather proves the point that you don't really need any of those things. Your life has already gone on perfectly well without them. You could even make a deal with yourself. Anything you can remember being in the box and still feel you have a genuine use for it, you can keep. Anything else gets the boot. If this feels too extreme for you, then just open the box and seriously review the cottons again, bearing in mind that you haven't you haven't need any of them for the entire time they've been in storage. One woman was so worried that she might regret getting rid of something that she bagged it all up in three large trash bags and slept with them in her bedroom for three nights. She figured that if there were anything in there that she would miss, she would have been out of bed in the middle of the night rummaging through the bag to retrieve it. But she slept peacefully every night, and on the fourth morning, she happily dumped the lot and didn't miss a thing. Tidying. 
If your clutter is more than more of the messy variety than things that need sorting and chuckling, here's a very good way to get the momentum going to help you tidy your home and keep it that way. Start in one corner of the room. Pick up any object at random that needs to be put away. Let's say it's a t-shirt. Start talking to yourself out loud in a kind of a remedic chant describing what you're doing. I am picking up this t-shirt and I'm walking to the wardrobe. I'm opening the door and I'm hanging it on a hanger. Then go and get some items from the same corner. I'm picking up the pin and I'm putting it in the desk. I'm picking up the book and I'm putting it on the shelf and so on. All your sentences need to have a similar rhythm and be in the two part. Da da dee da da dee dee. Da da dee da da dee da. It is this rhythm that carries you along and makes the task enjoyable and fun. Da da dee da dee da. Da da dee da dee da. It is this rhythm that carries you along and makes the task enjoyable and fun. Kids love tidying this way. It also means that your mental dialogue is already full so you don't get stuck in your usual indecisiveness or bogged down in details. You just get into the rhythm and go with it. You start in one corner and just work your way across the space until it is clear. Da-da-dee, da-da-dee-da, da-da-dee, da-da-dee-da. Getting clutter off the premises. Don't do all the work and not take the final step of getting it off the premises. This is a crucial part of cluttering, clearing. Trash and recycling. Clutter your... Clutter, you have decided, is trash or or can be professionally recycled is usually the easiest and quickest to dispose of. Hire a dumpster to take garbage away. Load the stuff into a car or van and drive it to a local dump or recycling center yourself. Or put it in your trash can or recycle bin for curbside collection. It feels very satisfying to get it out of your home and as soon as you can. Gifting. Gift to friends, relations. Charity shops, institutions, and other deserving causes generally take longer to dispose of. You may have to wait until you see a particular friend or, or pass a particular charity shop, school, library, hospital. If you choose these options, set yourself a date, say the end of the month, by which you will have gifted whatever it is in your relative recycling box or else you will consign it to the trash heap. Don't misunderstand me. I am wholeheartedly in favor of ex-clutter being given to people who will use it and appreciate it. But my experience is that most junk designated as gifts just sits in boxes or bags and never makes it out of the door. Until you have become experienced of clutter clearing, it may not be wise to allow yourself the luxury of gifting. Just get rid of it as fast as possible. Returning things. This can be also take a while. In returning things, you have to contact the people they belong to and request, plead, or insist that they take them out of your space. Set a date, reasonable time in the future, and if they haven't collected the stuff by then, let them know that you will dispose of it in any way you see fit. Alternatively, you may decide to mail or deliver the item back yourself. Selling. This can take even longer. It's generally not a good bet for a first-time clutter clearer unless you have a bulk purchaser or decide to have a yard or garage sale, an excellent idea. 
Exchanging and bartender. This is even more difficult unless you happen to know someone who is looking for exactly what you have and has exactly what you want. Or your contact an organization that specializes in exchanges or barter. Set yourself a deadline and if you haven't found the exchange or barter you want to make by that they agree to sell the object, give it away, trash it, or whatever. Repairing, altering, renovating, etc. These can take the longest time of all and are by far the riskiest bet. The chances are very strong that the items will still be unrepaired, unaltered, and unrenovated this time next year or, in fact, this time next decade. Be particularly wary of keeping obscure items you have convinced yourself you will someday transform into something useful and items you are keeping until you have something to go with them to make them useful. Dream on. Treating yourself. My whole intention in writing this book has been to make the benefit of clearing clutter so attractive that you will overcome the inertia of keeping it. Adopt the attitude that you will treat yourself to clearing out your clutter. Later, when you have experienced the benefits, you will want to treat yourself more often. And as one woman said to me, I never realized one could get such as much pleasure from getting rid of material possessions as from acquiring them in the first place. Remember, you don't need to aim for perfection. Just aim to deal with the clutter that is clogging you up your space and then get on with your life. That was the end of chapter 16. Our next chapter is called Staying Clutter Free, number 17. Greetings. I'm reading an article by Norman Vincent Peale. It's called How to Pray. The average person thinks that prayer means kneeling down and saying a few perfunctory words. But prayer is more than that. It is one of the greatest skills in the world. One of the greatest skills in the world. Prayer is a mechanism over which spiritual power flows from God into the daily lives of human beings. Astonishingly, prayer illuminates problems, overcomes obstacles, and restores health. As with any skill, however, one must learn the formula step by step in order to open the circuit and receive this power. These guidelines can help. Talk to the Lord in simple, everyday language. Number one, do not use exaggerated formal speech. In public prayer, it is perhaps proper to address God more formally, but in personal, private prayer, you might, for example, say, you to God rather than thou. This does not diminish respect for him, but serves to make the relationship more natural. Talk to God about everything that is on your mind and in your heart. Tell God what you want. Number two, tell him you would like to have it if he thinks it's good for you. But also say that you will allow him to decide and mean it. Tell God you will accept this his decision as what is best for you and any others involved. Practice during the day. Number three. Talk to God not only at night before you go to bed, but also all day long as you drive your car. 
wait for a bus. He said, if you had a friend with you, you would talk to him or her, wouldn't you? Then imagine the Lord is there, for he is, you know. Realize that words are not always necessary when you pray. Number four, think how good God is, how kindly and that he is by your side, guiding you and watching over you. And that is a joyful prayer. Try helping others by your prayers. Number five, pray for the trouble or the ill. Pray not only for your loved ones, but also for people you do not like. And for those who have not treated you well, it will be more for you to pray for those you resent than for those you love. It will do you more good. If you doubt this, try it for six months and see what happens. Prayer is an emanation of power. Select some person who may be a problem to you and shoot prayers at, at, at them. Surround them with good will and faith. I have seen the most outstanding, almost unbelievable results come to the person who practiced such prayers. In other words, the people that don't like you or you don't like, there is an astounding amount of success and victory in this kind of procedure. Do not put all your prayers in the form of asking God for something. Number six, let your prayers consist of all the wonderful things that had happened to you. Name them. Thank God for them and make that your whole prayer. You will soon find that these prayers of thanksgiving grow longer and longer and you will have more and more things for which to thank God.